Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It. Oscar season's fast approaching, so we're going to dive into that as well as Stacey Dash's unwanted congressional bid, Jeffrey Tambor's ouster from Transparent, and a wrap-up on Omarosa on Celebrity Big Brother. A little bit later in the podcast, I'll be talking with April Rain, the creator of Oscars So White, and how things may or may not have changed with this year's Oscars. I am joined by Kara, as always, Hello. and Lewis. Like Kate Walsh and Girls Trip, Sweet. I hold on. We didn't manage. <laughs> we didn't manage to get rid of him once during Black History Month. I'm here not with my clipboard. Not even He was here the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Kara, your national nightmare is over. <sighs> this is the last time you have to talk about Omarosa. Except it won't this, be this but week. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, it used to be that like we look at the topics for the show and be like, Omarosa, she's going to be on Big Brother. That's news. Now it's just, Omarosa, isn't she bad? <laughs> like, See, Ira just is, has a crush on her. This is the And this is exactly the problem that I predicted with this woman. You were, you were, you're not standing for her, but you were approaching it. Whoa! I let's not accuse me of standing. You're, I didn't say you are. You're approaching standship. I own a shirt or two. Ugh. <laughs> Nobody enjoys a stunt more than Ira, and no one is a stunt more than Omarosa. <laughs> so therein lay the issue. Anyway, she is out of the Celebrity Big Brother house because Celebrity Big Brother ended. So she lost. Yeah, yeah, she was evicted. Okay. In the finale. Okay. And oh, she made it to the finale. Yeah. Mind you, finale was five people in the end, so yeah. it's more than half the cast basically. Yeah, okay. the it was very truncated. Okay. Like a finale normally would be two people, right? And this one was just five people hanging out in the house. Okay, and um, Marissa Winokur won. I was sort of blown away that people voted for her to win when she was up against Ross Matthews, who was definitely doing all the machinations in the house. And also, this was the rare Big Brother season where the people who were eliminated got to watch the previous episodes. Mm -hmm. So they would have seen that he was behind all of that, too. That's a little bit confusing to me. She seems great, though. I met her once. Funny. What do you get? This, you get $250,000, which she got. That you have to donate, right? Because they're celebrities. um, Not in this case that I've heard. Oh, my God. They let them keep it? Are you kidding me? It's a little bit of a privileged circus. Yeah. They did have to stay in a house with Omarosa for two and a half weeks. Oh, please. Who almost certainly was paid seven figures to be in the house anyway. Yeah. So. Because people get paid on top of On top of that bonus? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Every other celebrity version of a reality show, they donate the money. True, but they also get paid to be there. Sure. So why do you get both? I don't know. Let people be thirsty, Uh, Kara. It's uh, fun for everybody. If it weren't Omarosa, (laughs) I'd have a very different perspective on all of this. So she's gone now. At the finale, she was interviewed by the Hollywood Reporter, and they said, "What's next?" And she said, "She is booked, baby. Oh, she is going to be on TV for the foreseeable future." 
I blame all of you. By book, does she mean a seat in hell? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it's going to be, but, you know, maybe she'll appear on Scandal. Don't you even. Shonda would Don't never you do even that. speak Shonda, that. Shonda would never. Ugh. Excuse me, uh, by Harry book, she would means never. there's like a conversation to get her on Dr. Oz for 10 minutes, please. <laughs> She'll be on The Good Doctor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she turns to the camera and says, that's a good doctor. <laughs> um, we just have one brief clip that came out. I don't know why CBS didn't release it until the finale, but it's her describing her time in the White House. I have to tell my truth. I'm tired of being muted. All the stuff that I've just put on a shelf somewhere out of loyalty. I've been defending somebody for so long. Now I'm like, yo, you are a special kind of up. And I'm about that that special breed of they're about to learn all about it. Because mm. I've been just putting all this stuff, just watching stuff, never saying anything, because I'm from the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Snitches get stitches, right? Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. That's been that's the mantra. I have been so loyal to the point where people are looking at me like something is wrong. Like, why wouldn't you just say something? Why did like? But that was all I had as my word, and I've been so loyal. But ooh, freedom! I'm emancipated. Oh, bitch! I feel like I just got freed off of a plantation. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, first of all, plantation. Oh my God! Plantation she started was... singing like a Negro spiritual. What the hell was that? Also, plantation implies there was more than one black woman around, which there sure wasn't. <laughs> Second of all, um, it implies she was there against her will. Yes, as well. freed from a plantation. She was paid two hundred thousand dollars. Did the slaves decide to go work at the plantation? Did they apply to beg <laughs> to go work at the plantation? Is she out of her black ass mind? Are you kidding me? Sally Hemings was oh actually my- Thomas Jefferson's black outreach. This is, <laughs> this is. I'm. I am. I'm gonna blame you for anything moving forward. You know the funniest part about her Hollywood Reporter interview is she said that. How she got on the show, like, it happened so quick. She said, you know, my last day in the White House was January 20th, and the show started February 1st, and oh you bitch, you weren't working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were fired before Christmas. Oh, I, I... I just want to say, in 2016, this is somebody who literally told us that Trump's critics will have to bow down. So this is like a... To say that she has changed her tune is one thing, but she just... Whatever the moment calls for, PR-wise, she is willing to dish out. She is just spineless. Exactly. There was actually a weird point in the House where she actually said something very interesting about how she was part of the Ready for Hillary campaign, which we all we knew. knew. She came, um, didn't she, she do something for about, her. And with Barack Obama? She supported yeah. Barack Obama. Like uh, She said in the House that apparently once the Ready for Hillary did stuff and then like the campaign officially started... The ready for Hillary people were ignored, and she was so disgusted that when Trump came calling, she said yes. That happens a lot, right? Doesn't it? You did just... they come calling, or did she put out some feelers? Of course, she put out some feelers. Right? They didn't come calling for you. Yeah. No, she was holding Omarosa flyers, and she said, <laughs> "Does anybody need a copy?" And then, oh my that's god! What and you know, and she's not going away. Right. What What do we actually think she does next? She's going to write a book. Of course, she's going to write a book. And then we're going to have to sit through a book tour, more of these bullshit anecdotes where she's like, "I'm not saying who is fucking at the White House." She'll come but on people keep it are, to like, discuss it. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God. Ira has like a tear in his eye. He will, I will love nothing burn, more. I will burn this studio down. <laughs> 
I mean, truly, if she doesn't put out a book, I mean, what other option she does she to. have? I mean, like, you wouldn't really even give her a TV show because she would have she nothing, nothing to say. To do, and she has nothing to do. Yeah. It's going to be a book. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it on Kindle. You know she's going to release it, like, next Black History Month, PayPal. <laughs> Super Nintendo. Yes. Wherever she can release it. All right. So she's over with. And moving on. Jeffrey Tambor is also over with, I guess. Um, But everybody loves him, and we're also defending him, and that's important for some reason. Well, maybe everybody loves him. He was fired from Transparent after the sexual misconduct allegations came up from his former assistant, Van Barnes, and from Trace Lissette, a former actress on the show. This is maybe the first... One of the first, like, Me Too incidents that has resulted in someone getting fired. Like an, like act- so, like yeah. an actual yeah. consequence. Yeah. Other than, like, oh, we're canceling this upcoming thing. Or, or you like, can't come yeah. to the Oscars. Yeah. Like, this one's real, and the show's going to go on without him. Yeah. He lashed out and said that the accusations were never revealed directly with him or with anyone. Which is a weird thing, because it's an internal Right. investigation. He's you saying know, that no one told him about the results of before. it. Okay. Uh, no one told him about the results of the investigation. Okay. Uh, he was just fired. And That's a, how it works, yeah. buddy. And a former <laughs> cast member of Arrested Development, David Cross, also said the investigation wasn't made public, so it seems fishy to me. I don't know it's not when the White these House. are public. Yeah, what, it's a, there, it's aren't, a, oh, there aren't hearings. No. Yeah. Let me read the files. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, do we think Amazon's right here? I mean, this is what they're supposed to do. And he's gone from the show now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I would trust Jill Soloway and, you know, hopefully some sane adults to say, like, we don't think that this person should be employed at this organization anymore. And whether the allegation, like, how true they are or whatever it is, like, clearly they determined that it was serious enough or it was important enough and, like, the comfort of everyone else would be better if he wasn't there. So I guess I would defer to her because it's her show and it's, you know, yeah. that her decision. The assistant doubled down on the experiences that happened on set. So, so did I Trace, believe that. Yeah. yeah. I actually think the weirdest thing is what David Cross said where he said the – Arrested uh, Development cast, uh, which, right? He uh, chimed she was, in, yeah, to said... say they support him still, and it's like that kind of mindset that we all know he's a good person. That kind of cronyism—that's what actually protects people who do bad things. So that chiming in as if that helps, like, oh well, we all had a great experience with him. It's like, well, you didn't have the experience with him. You don't and, know what happened, and no one else opened their mouth to say anything but right. you. David Cross made a point to say the entire Arrested Development cast, or like most of them, agree with him that Jeffrey was, you know unfairly singled out and yet it's been almost a week and <laughs> no one else I haven't has heard lines in. of an Ali jump up <laughs> <laughs> Jason Bateman is keeping quiet doesn't he have a movie out right now yes which I saw game night mm-hmm. like on the press tour he wasn't going off being like you know what see my movie also I support Jeffrey Tambor right I mean no, David Cross has a history of saying some side also he anyway, has so. accusations against him as well yeah and didn't he say something like I don't remember the actress, but I, th- I feel like it was an Asian woman, and he, she said he said something racist to her that he said was a joke, and Amber Tamblyn apologized, I think, on his behalf or, you know, 
said it wasn't okay or something like that. So he's always, I feel like, out here saying something crazy. Uh, back in my junket days where you would interview celebrities and hope they were nice to you, there were always two people you would hear again and again were the meanest, and it was Tommy Lee Jones and him. So. <laughs> I'm rarely sympathetic to people who are that terrible to people asking nice questions. Not Tommy Lee Jones. I, <laughs> that. I wouldn't expect him to be that friendly, though. I guess. I, all that time hunting down fugitives. <laughs> it's just... It's stressful. Or maybe he had his mind erased with the flashy thing, and so he didn't remember how to be nice. There you go. Yeah. It seems so obvious now. Yeah, right. I just want to know, like, what world do you get to where, like, Tommy Lee Jones is, like, going to be an asshole to these people during this junket. Also, it's I a guess little he has an Oscar. To Lewis. Yeah. He's met with Lewis there, just trying to ask a couple questions. Lewis is in his sweater, his little tight jeans. And Tommy's like, well, actually, you know what Morgan Freeman said one time? I was wearing tight jeans. He goes... Shirt's too tight, pants are too small. Look like you just had a growth spurt. <laughs> that was funny, though. Tommy wouldn't be funny. <laughs> By the way, that was for Dolphin Tail 2, which he was in. So take that, Morgan. All right. <laughs> you want all the hot scoops, honey? I got them. Um, this is also probably a positive thing. I don't know. I mean, I don't really watch Transparent anymore. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it in a couple of seasons, but... The idea that there are enough trans people in the cast for them to just keep doing the show for season yeah. five, it's like it sounds like a good thing. And wasn't that a criticism of Transparent from the jump was that they could have hired a trans person to play Jeffrey Tambor's role? So like now seems like a great opportunity to just be a show about trans people. Exactly. That was always the weird thing about his Emmy speeches was that he would say like, give trans people auditions. I was like, but you, you, <laughs> you not trans. <laughs> I would scream. <laughs> well, it's all worked out now. Also, you can't make me feel bad for any of these dudes. Like, I don't. It's I don't care. He has a lot of money. Who cares? He has a lot of money. Like, he probably did something inappropriate. And like, I don't give a shit, buddy. Like, tough luck. Keep your hands to yourself next time. Stop being a creep. All of you. No one's listening to me when I say stop being a creep, apparently, but I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> Several creeps just put down their creepiness. <laughs> <laughs> Call it all creeps. Exactly. <laughs> keep It is brought to you by Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. If you're really good at it, that is. I've actually met several really good friends through Hinge. I've used it, I can't believe this, over a decade now. Woof, what a life I've had. Well, you know what they've added within a decade of us being on Hinge is their new LGBTQIA plus prompts, which are designed to help queer daters better connect based on similarities, interests, and compatibility. Hinge prompts helps you show off your full personality and connect with someone who appreciates you. Plus, these prompts were created in collaboration with Glad. So they are by the people, for the people. Some of the prompts are, the first time I knew I was gay was, mm, I was literally in the act of being gay, like hooking up with somebody when I admitted it. <laughs> Denial is strong and hard in the Catholic Midwest. Mine was Tom Cruise's Vanity Fair cover. The shirtless one. You just turned to an imaginary camera and said, I'm gay. Yeah, or broke the fourth wall. <laughs> You're like Fleabag. Other prompts include, I feel proudest of who I am when, it feels affirming when others, blank, I connect to my community by, I wish I could tell the younger version of myself. I'm going to say whenever I watch that in a drag race semifinal, when they're like, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, I would be like, girl, get tighter clothes. I mean, what's going on with what you're wearing? You look like you're in the X Games. 
Other prompts include my chosen family is the best at and gender euphoria looks like. Download Hinge and show off your full self using their LGBTQIA plus prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have it always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. So I know Kara's glad we're done talking about Omarosa, but... <laughs> Swapped him out. out. out of, <laughs> one door closes <laughs> and hell opens another window. <laughs> And Stacey Dash is crawling through it. She filed paperwork on Monday to officially run for a congressional seat in California. And her slogan (laughs) is Dash to D.C. Oh, hell no. Is that what it is? (laughs) Yes. It's pretty cute. It's not dash to DC. I'm just going to run into office. (laughs) She's running as a Republican in California's 44th congressional district, which contains Compton, Watts, San Pedro, and North Long Beach. Girl, girl. She lives there apparently too. Where? Part of the reason she's running is she says that so many people run for this office and they don't even live in the district and she lives there. I'm like, do you live in Watts? Wait, how is that even possible? Also, how, is that you her- ha- Hold on. How can they run in from the district and not live there? I don't know. That doesn't even, again. I so think she's making up jump, criticism. Exactly. Yeah. From the jump, nothing she's saying is making any sense. I would truly it, rather have Amber from Clueless run for that Republican chair, who is the red-haired, sassy I'd person have, who says ambular. I'd rather have Alicia Silverstone like sp- chew up her food and spit it out <laughs> in her baby's mouth at, for all of us in the district. I would rather have a medium contact. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany Murphy. <laughs> she would be better than Stacey Dash. Just... Can I say something also? Do you remember when Chris Rock brought Stacey Dash out at the Oscars and he introduced her as the new minority outreach director of the Academy Awards? Please welcome Miss Stacey Dash. (laughs) I cannot wait to help my people out. Happy Black History Month. Thank you. I remember at the time it was super weird because no one understood what was happening. And then that was it. We didn't see her again. 
She was literally on stage for 10 seconds and then gone. But this is the problem with when you bring these people around in a way that you're saying it's a joke. Like, we may get that it's funny and that we're making fun of her, but you are giving her more room and a platform and even just reminding people that she exists and that she's relevant enough to even make fun of at the Oscars. It's the same shit with Amorosa, where even if it's like, it's funny and we're laughing at her, but like you're letting her remain in the public eye. And that's part of the reason we got goddamn Donald Trump in the first place, where people were treated reading it like it was a joke and like it was funny and we're in on the joke but everyone else you know and like this is how we end up with Stacey Dash thinking that she can even run for office do you think that there's any possibility of her winning in this district though? I don't know shit I mean things are crazy. <laughs> there's a lot of things I didn't think would happen and look at us now well you know what Compton is down the street we can go and we now we gotta go, now we, we gotta drive to we, we Long Beach every her. weekend to go campaign again <laughs> like just giving us more work to do. Also, I mean, it seems so obvious at this point, but it's truly when Dancing with the Stars isn't available, when the surreal life doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> just run for office. I mean, it truly, it's if you have any name recognition, whatever, there is some cachet to going for it, unfortunately. And she is, I guess, going to do that and poison us with more of her half thoughts. She tweeted that formal statements are coming, but for those mocking me for the district I live in, open your minds. It's time for me to put up or shut up, and I want to serve great people. I live in the 44th, unlike some who don't live in their districts, and thank you to those who've offered your support. Come to my account for the straight news. Listen, black and brown people have been one of the only blocks voting with any sense in the last few years. So please, Jesus, please continue on that pattern for all the people. If in, you are in the 44th for the love of district, God. do not vote for her. Please don't even take one of her pamphlets. <laughs> um, don't listen to her as she tells you about stories from the set of Clueless. I would stop. The only know, set she, she can she has anything set, to talk about set. from. I will literally um, I'll write in votes for the fake share from the TV show Clueless. I'll vote <laughs> I'll vote for Rachel Blanchard over her. <laughs> Honestly, like if she does get traction, I'm just fair warning that Keep It is gonna morph into a weird version of Pod Save America. Right. Where we have to, We're gonna have to save yeah. California <laughs> from Stacey Dash dashing to DC. Uh, because this would actually be frightening to have her back on like TV and back relevant and just spewing her nonsense. The only Because when she was on yeah. Fox News, it was horrendous. Right. The only glimmer of hope I have is that she even when she was at Fox News, it was like no one really cared about her. And so they dropped her as soon as the election exactly. was over. Exactly. So I'm wondering who she can even get behind her to help her with any of this. Like, I don't even, the idea of her even being able to like wrangle a semi competent person to be involved feels a little bit like a stretch. So that's the only like one thing where I'm like, I don't even know that she has enough people around her that give a shit enough about Does she have campaign funds? Mind you, I'll say this. I remember a few years ago when I felt like, oh, who cares about Stacey Dash saying all these horrible things? And then suddenly she like landed a photo op with Paul Ryan somehow. It's like you said, anytime you give somebody a platform, they like wriggle their way into some Mm -hmm. other nonsense. You know, like now Snoop Dogg's going to have to go down there and go yes. to lo- like go back down to Long Beach and campaign against this woman. Like ev- now, you've just given all of us more work. Like now, we've all got to waste our weekends making sure this bitch doesn't become the next a congressperson. Black History Month is over. Now it's time to go to work, <laughs> Kara. Oh, okay. The rest is over. 
<laughs> Vacation's over. I guess, you know, we'll just... Our remi- Wakandan vacation is over. Our Wakandan vacation. Reminds me of that Monique quote. When you do clownery, the clown bites back. <laughs> <laughs> and Stacy Dash is back. Oh, God. Keep It is brought to you by Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. I was there. I remember. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children, like Dance Moms, the infamous Lifetime Network show where the studio owners screamed at children and their moms over several seasons. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Mm, They recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Well... We know that someone created the beast known as Jojo Siwa. <laughs> you think we see the, the, the lab workings that created Jojo Siwa? <laughs> yeah. One pigtail, two pigtails. Uh, and Chemical X. <laughs> <laughs> Abby's biggest misstep actually wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television. But instead... She was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Well, follow The Big Flop wherever you get your podcasts. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, Get shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at ship.com slash high. The Oscars are this weekend, Kara. Are you excited? It only took 17 months to finally get to the Oscars. <laughs> you know this is my weekend. And I, know. I know. You know I don't like being mocked for it. No, I know. No. I addressed Kara first just because I know that you just can't wait to start talking about Leslie Manville. I have a monologue prepared about how she shows up Daniel Day-Lewis and the audience with expectations <laughs> upheaved. <laughs> Listen, I would love for Leslie Manville to win for Best Supporting Actress in Phantom Thread if only because I would hope that her winning would mean that Gary Oldman would somehow not win Best Actor and she could get up there and, you know, wink at her ex-husband and walk off stage with her statue. Truly. I mean, I dream of scenarios like this. I dream of (laughs) people winning Best Supporting Actress and changing the game forever with their look and their speech towards Best Actor nominees who secretly suck. So the Oscars are this weekend Mm -hmm. and... Everyone's sort of having a conversation about how are people voting and, you know, what did the new influx of younger Academy members actually mean for voting? And Vulture had an article where they interviewed anonymously some new voters and, I don't know, some of these people are wild. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sound just as crazy as, you know, the older people who we were supposed to be getting out. There's one anonymous woman who was like, she didn't think that Lady Bird or Mudbound were Oscar-worthy films, and 
she wishes there were just women movies around that were good so she wouldn't have to bat a film by a woman. Just because it's by And I'm a like, woman. You, you sound like these crazy 70-year-olds. And you don't have to. Yeah, you don't <laughs> have to. And you didn't have to say that either. Yeah. I mean, it may be some, I'm starting to think maybe it's just people who vote in the academy. Like, young, old, black, white, male, female, you're all just, you're taking it seriously in kind of a weird way. Like, you're taking the wrong things really seriously, and it seems to just be something that comes over you when you become a voter. And also, like, holding against a movie the fact that there was a discussion around it involving, the you know, a female director, a female cinematographer, or whatever, it's like... I'm so sorry you're burdened by people discussing these actual advances, <laughs> you know? That shouldn't affect what you think of the film. Or you... I feel like I, what we all thought would sort of happen with this influx of people it was that we would get rid of the notion that something is an Oscar movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you vote for what you liked or what you thought was the best of the year, then that's an Oscar movie, you know? Yeah. Like Paddington 2 could be a fucking Oscar movie. <laughs> It's you think, gorgeous. You, you think yeah. you're kidding? No, it's probably. I, love I think it. it's, yeah. yeah, exactly. But there's still. But that's the thing, and they're still. They're subscribing to this idea of what is an Oscar movie, what is an important movie, and it just. It seems like it's already been so confirmed that like we've decided that this film is worthy of an Oscar. This film is worthy of being treated like it's important, and they don't seem to be able to shake that notion. I think it's also zany when people talk about how Get Out is allegedly not an Oscar type movie. The fact is, it's like, all right, I mean, it is a horror movie. It is like a kind of devilish satire. But we always make exceptions for movies like that, honestly, when they star white people. I mean, like, Rosemary's Baby won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for uh, Ruth Gordon, who basically plays a conniving sitcom type uh, nosy neighbor. And it's not like an extraordinary performance, really, other than she ends up being related to the devil. So it's just like, like Tropic Thunder, for example. That's another movie that's not Oscar seeming at all, but we gave Robert Downey Jr. a nomination. So stop pretending that there are walls around, you know, certain genre movies. Like, those are the walls we actually need to break down. If Get Out It been a horror movie about a white person realizing that racism is bad, it would be an right. Oscar movie. Well, we already had the help. <laughs> <laughs> and Get Out is the only movie that said something relevant about living in the year 2018. Like, it made real commentary about right now and... Like, none of those other movies even did that. To be fair, I do feel like The Phantom Thread says a lot about oh, our male and female relationships in this Me Too era. Oh, yeah. Also, Darkest Hour to me says that cigars are delicious and that also <laughs> you can learn a lot from a little girl on the train who tells you Hitler's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My mind keeps jumping back and forth about, like, what I want. Like, I mm-hmm. like Get Out and Call Me By Your Name was, like, my favorite for a long while. But now I think that, like... Phantom Thread is inching over it. I can't stop thinking about it. I agree. It's like more sinister. I think the movie continues to surprise you as it goes along, whereas Call Me By Your Name, you sort of realize it's going to be a coming-of-age movie, that it's going to end emotionally. You know, whereas Phantom Thread just, like, turns your expectations on its head glamorously. Yeah. Phantom Thread, Get Out, both of these movies are probably the only two movies that are nominated for Best Picture that feel surprising. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there's The Darkest Hour, which... Gary Oldman is already giving interviews about how he wants to keep playing Winston Churchill and like oh, of Darkest cool. Hour follow up. On what? Like a crackle series? <laughs> <laughs> no one cur. I don't know. Did Winston Churchill do other things? Oh yeah. You know, he, he, he moved on to yeah, he moved on to a circus career after this. Yeah, right. The greatest showman too. He was a detective, right. Bring me that bring me that series. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that mostly it's the idea that we need to get away from what we used to think the Oscars were and what they should be now, you but know? The- because the show, too, still feels like, the show in some ways still feels antiquated. Yeah. It doesn't feel fresh. It doesn't feel fun. And some people have even talked about how, like, winning Oscars used to increase revenue for films because then people would want to go out and see them. But when you keep, like, rewarding sort of, like, the boring and expected films, like, that's not been happening yeah. anymore. You know, there's you're not rewarding films that then it get people excited to go see a film. Yeah. I, and then also, like, you assumed, I think, for a lot of actors, like, when you win an Oscar, it puts your career on a different trajectory. And, like, I don't necessarily know that that's still the same. But, I mean, they've had a thing about the show feeling old and stodgy for years, and, like, their ratings have reflected that. And they've sort of, you know, it's like, we've got Jimmy Kimmel. It's like, I guess. we got yeah. Mary J. Blige. Yeah, like, I guess that's not really going to do it. But or you could just accept that, like, this is an institution that skews older. And that's just what it is, because if if the institution itself is sort of resisting this making it younger and bringing in different people, like, I don't know, at a certain point, it's something where, like, I don't care that much anymore. And in terms of like a lot of filmmakers and, you know, women and people of color, their goals, I think they've sort of just been like, I don't necessarily need acceptance from this institution to be successful or feel like my career is going well and so if it's something that doesn't feel like it can adapt like I don't know just like leave it and we'll we're good on our own I have to say also I kind of like certain old-fashioned things about the Oscars like for instance it's still like the only award show where they actually put all the categories on TV you know I where do they really like do that. get into like, like technical the Grammys things. yes <laughs> and you like learn about that stuff you know and like they're sort of obsessed with um, reacquainting you with its history and like past Oscar winners and stuff because and I again I really think it's the only entertainment award that people are really impressed by at all when somebody wins it anymore you know everybody has a goddamn Emmy everybody has a Grammy for reading an audiobook I I'm talking an to you Blair Underwood <laughs> <laughs> why are you calling for Blair Underwood yeah, I don't know why did I pick him <laughs> Cynthia Nixon how about that yeah. Al Gore yeah we yeah. love Blair Underwood on this podcast unless he's done something I don't know you know, listen, I I feel like you can't say anything about any of these dudes anymore. I feel like because I'm... tomorrow they're just going to disappoint you. Don't compliment men is the takeaway. Who did Blair Underwood harass on the set of LAX? Right. <laughs> Nobody looks better in a coral-colored polo than Blair Underwood. Has any, no one's asked him about the Sex and the City drama, have they? Oh, right, where he dated Miranda for two seconds. That's Which, true. <laughs> Of the many unbelievable stories. Oh, yeah. That was a that little zany. Show. Yeah. That's why I'm nobody's Miranda. Oh, my God. Back I'm just saying. Go back to <laughs> <laughs> Um, We're not going to have this debate again. Although, I will say that someone called me a Carrie with a Samantha Risa. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, you got some Samantha in you. I yeah. am actually, like, pulsing with Samantha vibes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the harsh bangs. Uh. I don't know. So what do you think, Lewis? I mean, you love the Oscars more than anyone in this room. Yeah, something's yeah. Matter. Um, Anyone in existence. Yeah. Um, what about the show do you think needs to be changed? I honestly, I, I again, like the stodginess in certain ways. Maybe it like gets it warrants 
lower and lower ratings. I just think it's letting in more genre movies, voting for more things that, again, don't look like Darkest Hour, Mm -hmm. don't look like The Post, you know, because I think people are discouraged by the Oscars when they look at the list of Best Picture nominees and see a bunch of stuff they could have guessed, that they could have written, you know, 10 years ago could have guessed these movies would have been nominated now. Of course. And I feel like when I grew up, I always loved watching the Oscars because it taught me about film history. It taught me about the movies and the industry. And I do agree that it's weird when you see Oscar montages where they always play like the most interesting films that we've seen this year. And then none of those films are nominated for anything. Yeah. Where you see <laughs> actors showing up and it's like, ooh, I love this actress. They look great. Like, are they nominated for something? No, they're just here for yeah. window dressing. <laughs> you know? I think it definitely is nominating genre things. And, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, you're nominating... Yep, Saw 7. Yeah, <laughs> you know? But it means you're nominating the best of the best in movies. You know? And Get Out is a great movie. It's a great horror movie, but it's a great movie. So nominate it. I think also uh, something that keeps movies like that typically out of contention is that they don't play in other major categories. You know, Get Out's the exception because that really does have performances in it, Mm -hmm. too. You know, there's a screenplay, you know, things like that. But not every genre movie is obsessed with those things. You know, it's about just the spectacle, about the pure entertainment of it. Right. And some people keep bringing up Wonder Woman, which, you know, I found fine. Um, Yeah, you would never nominate her for that. Sorry, it wasn't a Best Actress performance. But take Black Panther, Mm -hmm. where, you know, I feel like there were several very good performances. You know, like Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman's mm -hmm. characters were written to have arcs like you would see in any other movie. Like, those are performances that could get nominated. They have five years to give Angela Bassett an Oscar. And if oh, not, yeah. I'm out. Also, I'm out. Also, fuck the Oscars for that. Like, she has yet to win an Oscar. I mean, she Jennifer has Lawrence nom- has like 35 and, and Angela has none. Are you kidding me? And your girl Holly Hunter took it from her. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> With a fucking piano. She was pretty fierce in that movie. The Come piano. On. Look, sometimes playing the piano can be very dramatic. I told and you she I did don't it. see movies about pianos. <laughs> <laughs> that movie ends pretty amazingly, I have to say. I'm a Jane Campion stand, so we can't have this fight right here. I know, but you know. There's a short what's list love of got to do with it? Yeah, Angela needs one. Viola needs not supporting isn't a real one. She needs a best actress. They have a lot to make up with her. There's a few people... And then maybe I'll consider. It is pretty amazing. fandom. (laughs) That Jennifer Lawrence got more Oscar nominations in her 20s than any African-American woman has ever. (laughs) Pretty wild. Yeah, miss, I can't even finish the Phantom Thread for longer than three minutes. Me? No, No, she said that Jennifer Lawrence gave an interview. What? She said she hated it. She hated it. I'm throwing my phone at the people who make the show. I'm so angry. uh, Mark Barron had an interview with her on WTF, and she said... um, Sorry, I couldn't get through Phantom Thread for more than three minutes. I turned it off. The woman who was in Mother also has the nerve to to say anything about anyone's movie. Also, what are the first three minutes of Phantom Thread? Yeah, like zooming in? I don't know. (laughs) Thank you, the star of Joy, for telling me what I have time for. (laughs) Go see Red Sparrow this weekend. Right. The the theater will be packed with three people. Charlotte Rampling also looks pretty ferocious in that movie, though. I'm excited for that. Uh, ferocious. That was a good one. TM. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've had enough of you. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about the Oscars next week. Just to watch Lewis. Like... I just ball on air. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. 
Uh, We're just gonna do reenactments from Angela Bassett's best performances while while Lewis tries not to turn purple over there, including that one junket where she did Lady Macbeth out of nowhere. Uh, oh my god, that's a movie I want. Angela Bassett doing Lady Macbeth. Come on, guys, that's what. I want. All right, when we're back, it's keep it. I live by routines, especially my same day delivery routine with shipped. Because when Sunday rolls around, I'm not scared. I got my shopper on the way with all my favorites. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipped.com. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. And we're back with Keep It everyone's favorite segment on the podcast called Keep It. Starring Keep It. <laughs> As Keep It, a young attorney making her way through Hartford, Connecticut. Lewis, what are you keeping this week? Um, mine's a, a basic Oscar-related one. Keep it to people who downplay the importance of Moonlight in Oscar history. There was actually just an awesome oral history of the big envelope snafu with La La Land and Moonlight getting mixed up at the dais with Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. By the way, Faye Dunaway, as crazy as she is, irreplaceable movie star. Uh, every movie she ever did was fabulous. Moving on. I uh, agree. But yeah. Also, that Hollywood Reporter article was basically one-fifth shade against Faye Dunaway. She unfortunately is deeply crazy, like something is absolutely the matter this with her. This producer in the oral history of the Oscars oh, yeah. last day, like, one of her quotes was, and Faye was driving everyone crazy. They were trying to get her hair this right color of blonde. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, she is the one that was just la la land. <laughs> like, just snatched it and didn't really read it. Not to place too much blame, but. No, if you're around Faye Dunaway for more than five minutes and she doesn't try to slap you, she didn't see you. That's the issue. <laughs> um, here's the thing about Moonlight. People remember it in tandem with La La Land, but it still is the only uh, Best Picture winner where uh, it's a fully black cast, and it's not about their relationship to white people. It's just about uh, learning about them, their relationships with each other. Last year, I was a correspondent on CNN for the Oscars, and someone asked me the question, do you think people just voted for it be- for that, be- just because of that? And it, I wish my regret then was that I didn't respond with, how many best pictures won just because they were full of white people? I mean, like, look at the 1970s, which is allegedly the greatest decade in film. Best pictures right down the line. Patton, French Connection, Godfather, Sting, Godfather Part Two, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's like, would voters have cared about these if they starred, you know, people of color? It's like, probably not. So the fact is, we need to be course correcting and voting for movies that are quality and starring non-white people. We're forever making up for that deficit in Oscar history. And Moonlight is a good first step in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the oral history, but it was also weirdly a sympathetic piece to the producers of La La Land. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I can't believe they had to go through that, and then it was ripped away from them. And probably because, like, no one in Moonlight, except for Mahershala, like, felt like chiming in for this piece because they would rather 
forget it happened. I will say too, like I do think Jordan Horowitz has since like I like the way that he came out of all of that and I Same. think and I think that he's made an effort to like talk about diversity and and I just think he handled it really well. Still fuck that other dude who was right. like we lost but him still gave forever. his speech. But still gave his full speech. Like him forever fuck him. But I you know I remember at least you did and then I did like we had like Twitter interactions with Jordan yeah. Horowitz like a year ago. And I feel like since then, like, he's been very he's been open very, about trying to learn more yes. about diversity and, you know, he representation He took it as a learning Hollywood. experience. Yeah. And more people should do that. Yeah. I mean, it was a singularly strange moment in television history. I kind of don't blame anybody for coming out saying the wrong thing at any point. But, uh, God, I still think about that. And Faye just deciding that any words on any envelope <laughs> were okay to read. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and then the Hollywood Reporter article, too, is that when they were figuring it all out, someone said, Clyde stayed, but Bonnie fled the building. <laughs> Such a Bonnie move. <laughs> Kara, what are you keeping this week? My keep it, and this is, this is not anything, no shade towards the woman herself, but Barbara Streisand has announced, for some reason she decided to share this with everyone, also information she could have kept to herself, that she cloned her dead dog into two new dogs, which I wasn't even aware we had the technology to do that. Didn't know we could, we were out here doing that regularly. Creating Cujos. (laughs) And it's just so Caucasian. And it's just so weird. It's weird that she's like doing a photo spread about it. I don't know, girl. Just take your weird science talks. Right. Like, there's a there's a lot of other options. It's super weird. I'm looking forward to the dogs being older and just Barbara sitting back in a chair looking at them being like, you'll never be Sandy. Right. <laughs> and the fact that she did two of them, like, it was one dead dog that she turned, cloned. So there have now been three iterations of that one dog. I don't know. It's real weird. I, this couldn't be what science had in mind. When they when they were coming up with this. It seems like a Sunset Boulevard in the making. Yeah. Just like 10, 15 years from now, Barbara, you know, wandering <laughs> around her mansion, <laughs> mumbling about her dead dog, <laughs> and these two clowns are just... Just following her around. By the way, the dogs' names are Miss Scarlet and Miss Violet, because it, they wouldn't be proper clones if she didn't name them creepy names. <laughs> Miss Scarlet and Miss Violet. Maybe it's more like Rebecca. Yes. I I will say, I would love to have that much money, just for like a day, to know where that's my concerns. No, I don't think I would clone anything, but just what kind of weird shit where I'd be like, I have so much money, I can do any weird thing that pops into my head. And I don't know what would pop in, but I'd like to see. I know who I'd clone. Jack Hay, we only have one of her, and I need way more Jack Hay in my life. So maybe if we had two, we could get twice as much. I'm like a scientist. I've thought this all out. Okay. Yeah. Who would you clone? <sighs> Yourself. Marsh Cross. I was thinking of something to annoy you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'd clone Melrose Place. Which can, we can, did, honey. Can you do that? <laughs> The year was 2009. Uh, Where were you? You know what? I don't acknowledge CW <laughs> shows that aired in 2009. All right. Well, that's convenient. I don't know what I'd clone. I don't I'd, clone I'd clone Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Cloning Chris oh, God. Yeah. Oh. Please. <laughs> yeah. Even as a dog. That would be fun. <laughs> Could we clone Obama? Could he run again? 
Oh, if he's if that's he's another thing. Is it the same per this clone shit makes no sense to me. Like I guess it's a different thing. I don't know. If we cloned Obama, could he be president again? I don't know. Because it's not him, it's Obama, too. Oh, we could give him a different name. Like, yeah. she gave the dogs a different name. Yeah. I'm a constitutional literist, and I, there's nothing in the there's rules. There's nothing, oh, yeah. The Scarlet Obama. Ooh. No, we're cloning We're cloning Michelle. Sure. Yeah. A Michelle that actually wants to run for office. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Got it. Get, get on it, Barbara. <laughs> My keep it this week is about the theater. It's David Mamet. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, he's always really uh, gets it, politically correct, and self-contained. <laughs> we love David Mamet, don't we? He he gave us Alec Baldwin. He did. That is Basically, a fabulous scene. Yeah. Um, and Alec will never let you forget about it as he's um, writing you terse notes in defense of Woody Allen. David Mamet has a new play that he is presumably going to try and mount on Broadway, and it's about Harvey Weinstein. And he said, I was talking to my Broadway producer, and he said, why don't you write a play about Harvey Weinstein? And so I did. Is that all it takes? Listen, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like when you are rich and white on Broadway, like that's how these plays get made. Every time I watch the Tonys, when I see something that's not Gullah Gullah Island the musical, (laughs) it's um, who greenlit this? Who gave someone the millions of dollars you need to mount a Broadway play for this boring-ass chamber <laughs> drama? So David Mamet is probably just going to get a ton of money to put this play up. And it's like... Is it actually about Harvey Weinstein or is it like a Harvey Weinstein avatar? That's what I want to know. Yeah. And I'm like, it's either way, I don't want no, it. No, either way, no. Definitely Because no. first of all, he wrote Oleana which is a play about a professor who's accused of assaulting one of his students. And at the end of the play, like, you're basically cheering him on as he, like, attacks this woman. And then he also wrote a play called Race, Mm -hmm. which Kerry Washington starred in Mm -hmm. and I saw on Broadway, which is horrendous (laughs) and is about a man, like, raping a black woman, and the law firm that she works for, they realized that the police left out the fact that there were sequins on a dress, so they weren't in the police report, and they were about to get the charges dropped, but Carrie Washington's character leaks it, and they figure out it's her, and then at the end, like they're like, why did you do it? And she's like, because that white man was guilty. And I'm like, David Mamet. <laughs> I'm picturing him feverishly typing that. He's like, this is the line. I don't want David Mamet writing about women. I don't want him writing about black people. Sure as hell don't want him writing about Harvey Weinstein. I feel like Glengarry Glenn Ross could be turned into a show. That's like my weird prediction for the future. I feel like that's going to be, we're going to see that on like FX. Show? Yeah, totally. Ugh. Sorry that I've thrown it out there now. All women? Oh, okay. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's all the time that we have with you two this week. When I'm back, an interview with April Rain, creator of Oscar So White. I am excited to be joined by this April Rain, Senior Director of Marketing for Fractured Atlas, creator of Oscar So White, and 
general in the Dora Milaje. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yes, it is fantastic to be here. Thank well, you. thank you for coming from Wakanda to Los Angeles. You know, <laughs> let me tell you about the visa process. So. <laughs> no, it, it is fantastic to be here. I obviously typically live on the East Coast, but here for Oscars week and all that entails. So this is, you know, you've been doing Oscars So White for a minute now. Forever. January 2015. Yeah. And here we go with another ceremony. Does it feel like things are different? I mean, Moonlight won. You know what? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Um, yeah, Moonlight won, but but that's one, you know, and I get that a lot, you know, and the fact that, oh, well, Black Panther is here and it's the panacea and it is all things to all people. And while it is all things to me, I don't think that any one movie can solve the ills with respect to the lack of diversity and inclusion in entertainment. So, you know, Moonlight deserved every single accolade that it got, but I don't think that we should put the fate of, you know, what is that? The entire LGBT plus community Mm -hmm. on that particular film. I don't think we should do that for the black community for Black Panther. And, you know, we still are waiting for representation for the Latinx community, although there's Coco, but are we really going to put all this onto the shoulders of a little animated boy? Um, (laughs) You know, and and the disabled community. Uh, So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, we've seen some incremental increases here and there. I'm always more interested in the nominations behind the camera. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for editing and screenplay, uh, costume design, those things are really important to me because, you know, everybody sees what's going on on the screen. Mm -hmm. But what happens on screen, what we as consumers and as moviegoers end up seeing is based on so much that happens behind the screens, behind the cameras. And the fact that we are still you know, talking about first in 2018 and and able to count on one hand, you you know, the number of editors of color, the number of screenwriters of color means that there more work needs to be done. Yeah, it's been especially shocking to me just, you know, seeing when these firsts are happening. And I feel like for people at home and for people who just have like a cursory knowledge of Hollywood, they think, you know, people are talking about, Oscar so white, we you know we need to fix this, and they think it's really just about the nominees. Like we care how many awards Jennifer Lawrence has, Child. you know. Don't it's okay. <laughs> we gonna bring her up early. Is that what we're doing? Okay, I just want to set the table so I know. No, yeah, yeah, and I keep saying that the Oscars or the Academy can only nominate films that are made, performances that we see, right? Mm -hmm. So the onus has to be on Hollywood to make changes, and that change has to start on the page at the screenwriter level, right? So if you've got a screenwriter who is writing this script, and he or she says, my protagonist is a 25-year-old leggy blonde from the Midwest, well, by the time that goes to agent and producer and director and to studio head and gets the green light, Everybody's thinking Jennifer Lawrence, Mm -hmm. right? And so Yara Shahidi can't even, you know, audition for that role because she's not a 25-year-old leggy blonde. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about why this protagonist needs to be blonde. Like, unless it is crucial to her character, just take that out of that and allow the floodgates to open to the most talented, you know, the best person for that job as opposed to narrowing it down and putting people in silos. Yeah, I mean, I was especially shocked when I found out that Rachel Morrison, you know, was the first woman, you know, nominated for cinematography. I'm like, that's not even getting into 
other women of color who haven't been nominated. Right. Like, she's the first woman. Period. And it's 2018, yep. you know? And there's that roundtable, you know, with John Singleton and um, Lee Daniels and Barry Jenkins and Jordan Peele, you know, four black men, mm-hmm. American black men, direct, nominated for Best Director. You know, it's wild. And yep. they're the only black ones, too, you know? Weren't in, in even, 90 years. Weren't even any women. Yep. And so tell me a bit about how you've changed Oscar So White from a hashtag into, you know, sort of actionable things that people can do. You know, you can never predict when a hashtag is going to be viral, right? Mm -hmm. And so you just sort of have to decide if you're going to own it and if you want that responsibility. You know, there's no way that I knew when I was being sarcastic in my family room, January 2015, Mm -hmm. and I said, Oscar's so white, they asked to touch my hair, that this was going to be, I mean, you know, hashtags come and go every single day. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're still talking about it four years later, I think speaks to not only my brilliance, but (laughs) also, you know, the staying power behind this issue. I get it. Listen, I feel like the mafia making... Keep it still relevant. You keep know how many it. people I've had to use, kill. <laughs> I use keep it all the time. And I try to say, as Ira said, keep it. But but that, I mean, there's something about that, you know, about the longevity um, of a particular issue or saying or hashtag. Uh, and so for me, it's hard for me to believe, but not everybody is on Twitter. And so I need to do things that so that I can connect with people off of social media on this issue, right? So I've done countless number of interviews, podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and other things so that I can keep the conversation going, you know, and I'm on TV from time to time. And all of that matters. I think people don't don't think through that, you know, if this is something that you are really interested in, it has to be a multifaceted approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that has helped. And I think people get it. Like, you know, it, it's interesting because... It shouldn't just be marginalized communities talking about this issue, right? Mm -hmm. So all of the Chris's, Chris Evans, Chris Pine, Chris Pat, (laughs) Pratt should also be talking about, you know, how they have a much more enjoyable and educational time on set when it is more diverse and inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's got to be kind of cool to hang out on the Avengers set because you got Chadwick and you got Don Cheadle, you know, and you've got so many other people from different realms. Mm -hmm. And so why aren't white folks sort of talking that up as well? Because what we also know factually is that the more diverse a movie is, the more it sells. Mm -hmm. So every artists should be welcoming people from marginalized communities because that affects their bottom line. Yeah, you know, and it's really just that conversation about how changing what people's perception of an Oscar film is, too, and what Oscar-caliber work is. Yeah, and what does that mean? Because, I mean, what we know is that the Academy members still to this day are not required to view the films or the performances before they vote. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. shocking because that means that I've always said with Oscar so white, it should be a meritocracy. The best performance, the best film, what have you, should win. But if you're not watching them, then that means that you are basing your determination on something else, a glorified popularity contest, an article that you just read in the trades or whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be. And so then the question becomes, how do you determine what is, quote unquote, worthy of a nomination if you guys aren't even watching the films anyway. Yeah, because you look at the nominations this year and it's like The Post and The Darkest Hour, 
are basically could have been plopped in from any any year. year. Yep. You know, and then you see films like Call Me By Your Name and Get Out and Shape of Water. Like they feel different. Yeah. But they're sure. good movies. They are movies that feel like filmmakers making something fresh in 2018. And something that will stand the test of time, because I think that's part of it, too. I mean, you know, Get Out is already being taught in college classrooms, right? Mm -hmm. And every time you see that movie, you know, you hear something different. And so many articles about the Easter eggs and, oh, did you realize that this was actually representing this and this was an allegory for that? And I think that's the way good storytelling is, you know, something that you want to come back to again and again and again. And... It's hard to say, especially as the Oscar so white lady, you know, the, I think <laughs> that's more important than awards, right? Yeah. Longevity. But we also know for some, not so much for Holly Berry, unfortunately, <laughs> but for some, you know, getting the Oscar or even the nomination makes it easier to go around the next time, easier to get that audition, easier to get more money, easier to get your film greenlit. You know um, those Oscars keep her in wigs, though. Yeah, I, I, I really feel like that is her Achilles heel. It's like, why can't the sister wear her natural hair or do something better? But yeah, that that my child has been kidnapped wigs. It's, it's it is so a much. Look. Right. But it's not one that sells tickets. What would you say is people's biggest misconception about what you're trying to do? That it is binary, that it's black versus white. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so every year, every year I get pushback from another marginalized community saying, why aren't you fighting for us? Mm-hmm. And from the beginning, you know, I've attempted to make Oscar So White as inclusive as I could. So all races, all genders, all sexual orientations, all folks who are abled and disabled, you know, all ages. Because, you know, again, as women get older, mm-hmm. they get these matriarchal roles. And yet, you know, we can still talk about 75-year-old playing Bond. You know, that doesn't make any sense. First Nations folks. So everybody. And it wasn't clear to me that it was my place to bring all of these traditionally underrepresented communities under this Oscar So White umbrella. Because Didn't you know you were supposed to be Captain Planet? Listen, you got to get Linka from Russia. I, <laughs> I was not aware, let's just say. You know, but as a, you know, able-bodied black hetero, cis-hetero woman, is it my place to be speaking for the LGBT plus community? Is it my place to be speaking for the disabled community? So what I said was, I'm going to bring everybody into the tent. And when somebody steps up and says, hey, thanks, sis, but we got it from here. We're going to take it for this particular community. Great, because that's one less thing on my plate. Mm -hmm. It's been four years. Only now are people starting to step up. Yeah, you know, and there's that conversation when Time's Up was created. You know, there were different factions within it because, you know, these women were realizing, you know, like, let Lena Waithe talk about this point of Time's Up. Let Reese Witherspoon talk about this, you know? Right. Like, Reese isn't going to get Lena's point. Lena's not going to understand Reese's point, you know? It's, um... And they can coexist. Like, because yeah. we're... Everybody's trying to move the ball forward. So why can't we have a myriad of voices talking about the same issue? Mm-hmm. Tell me how people can get involved. You know, I feel like one of the biggest things in talking about activism For political activism, there's always, you know, an actionable thing that we can tell people to do. And here on Keep It, we're always trying to figure out ways for our listeners, people who are invested, people in America who want to see more diverse films, who want to learn more about other cultures by seeing their stories represented on screen. Like, 
how can Joe Maligar? N- yeah, you know, how can like Nancy Joe up in Boise, Idaho, do something to help besides right. buy a ticket to Black Panther? Although we need to start with buying a ticket to Black yes, Panther. Yes, buy a ticket. But after that, um, the first thing is do not reward mediocrity, mm-hmm. uh, and that's in all entertainment, right? So. Don't go see those movies just because your fave is in it, but the plot looks really, really crappy. Hello, Matt Damon. Or, you know, or don't... Who's fave? Hollywood's, (laughs) apparently, because they keep trotting him out, and it's like, bruh, you are not Goodwill Hunting anymore. And let me say, (laughs) I was a huge Matt Damon fan way back in the day. Same. I feel like the only person standing for Matt Damon at this point is Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, and maybe Ben Affleck. I don't know where their relationship is. Um, (laughs) But so that's the thing. Don't reward mediocrity, which means don't click on that clickbaity, raging headline because you're upset and you're going to leave the most profound comment at the bottom because as soon as you click on the article, they've gotten their money. Mm. And so they, and, and money talks, bottom line, any industry. So if they get money because even if you're rage watching something, then that means they're, they're going to make more of that thing because that is what is selling, right? So don't reward mediocrity and then do support actively the things that do represent you, that come from your frame of reference, and be sure that you stretch yourself outside of whatever your comfort zone is a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. to try something new. And when it works for you, talk it up because word of mouth is crucial. I mean, you know, we saw that with Black Panther. We've seen that in, in so many examples that, you know, movies sometimes get their kick after the first week because people have seen it the first week and are really talking it through. So I think that's incredibly important that we demand with our voices and with our dollars better entertainment programming, whether that's stage or film or TV or even our media outlets. Yeah, I know back in the day people used to write letters to studios or something, you know, and I don't think that's feasible anymore, but, you know, if you have a voice, or write a letter, write a letter, you can get on social media, yeah, absolutely, and and we know that they're listening, I mean, Lord knows they listen to Black Twitter, Yeah. so why wouldn't you, you know, know, this was a great film, or this film really stunk, and let me tell you why, we're not putting up with, you know, I think that's one of the things that happened with Matt Damon's film, The Great Wall, where Mm -hmm. he, you know, there's a billion Chinese people behind the wall, and he plays this white savior who catapults in to save the entire country from aliens or monsters or gigabytes. I don't even know what the thing was, right? I did not I, I didn't realize it. it was aliens until I saw a later trailer, by okay. the way. They yeah. hit that. I, I didn't know. What, I don't know what the bad guy was. But it's like, so you're telling me there are a billion Chinese people, but and there's not one Asian or Asian-American actor who can save his own people? And wouldn't that have been a better story, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I think people saw the trailers, people talked back about the appropriation of AAPI culture and this white savior trope, and I think that led to the movie losing a whole bunch of money. And that is the power we have. We see that every time H&M or Pepsi or whomever you know, brings out this ad where they think one of them Jenner Kardashian girls is going to solve racism with a sip of soda, and so there's no reason why we can't do that on a larger scale for movies and TV and theater work as well. And it worked for Black Panther with talking something up and celebrating it. So celebrate the art you love, guys. Do your thing, white Twitter. There it is. Yeah. April, I want to thank you for joining me. My pleasure. It's been great. 
Thanks, of course, to Kara and Lewis, as always, and to April Rain for joining me this week. Let's keep it. Clyde stayed, but Bonnie fled the building. <laughs> Such a Bonnie move. <laughs> Ask Sherwin-Williams and get 30% off Duration and Super Deck products May 17th through the 20th. That means 30% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 30% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 